Welcome to the Her Sports Story podcast, where we share in the stories of former female athletes, connect on the transition out of sport, and create a space where the always an athlete tribe can come for connection and inspiration. I'm your host, Bethany Crouch, founder of the Her Sports Story blog and podcast, and former competitive gymnast of 15 years to an athlete advocate professional. It makes my heart so happy to connect in and share these former female athlete stories. And I am so grateful and excited that you are here to join us. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Her Sports Story podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Maria Koroleva. Maria is a two-time U.S. Olympian for the sport of synchronized swimming, and she is a former student athlete from Stanford. And she now coaches synchronized swimming at the club level in the Bay Area, as well as works at Cal Berkeley in their alumni relations department in business development. This conversation sheds so much light on the journey of becoming an Olympian and how life unfolds after Like most athletes, our sport comes to an end, and it is no different for Olympians. So we talk all things transition, and Maria is completely open and honest about how she is still navigating this transition, and I am totally right there alongside her, even a few years out more from her. But anyways, I hope you enjoy this podcast because it was truly a treat having Maria chat with us. Maria, I am so excited to have you on Her Sports Story podcast. I am so happy we connected and I know that the Her Sports Story tribe is going to love your story and love hearing everything about being a synchronized swimmer to an Olympic journey to now working in higher education. You know, we are all about that journey, the ups, the downs, and I know you have an amazing story to share. So welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited and I just, I love what you're doing, connecting female athletes, and I think it's just such a great mission and it's so necessary. So I'm super excited to connect with the community and just learn more about it. Yeah, of course. Uh, So, you know, I think we were just talking about this before we hopped on, but of how we connected. We, of course, connected over Instagram. It seems to be... Of course. Amazing women that I've been meeting. Uh, But what was so cool is that you have a blog and you wrote a post about leaving your sport behind and you tagged me in it. And I was starting to tell you I was in where was I? I was in Newport Beach with my mom and I like picked up my phone and saw that you tagged me and I was like this is so amazing I was so <laughs> excited and you know I thank you one for doing that um, but you know us kind of chatting here and connecting is strictly the purpose of her sports story mm-hmm. uh, I love it for doing that and I think you said you found me on Instagram again I don't remember but yeah I don't I don't remember how but I just I I came upon the the profile and I just I think it was right around the time that I was writing this blog post and 
it just totally resonated with me. Like that's exactly what I was writing about. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like the perfect fit for us to, to connect and, and talk. Yeah. Well, it was. So, you know, we're, we're of course going to, to dive in here, but Maria, go ahead and share your sports story so we can get a glimpse into the life growing up as a synchronized swimmer and where that kind of led you. Yeah, so I was a synchronized swimmer for 17 years. I competed on all different levels. So on the club level, collegiate, national team, those are kind of the three levels for synchro. And I started here in Northern California in Walnut Creek when I was nine years old. I had actually just moved to the U.S. from Russia with my family. And my parents just wanted me to do some type of activity outside of school to kind of learn English and to make friends and things like that. So Walnut Creek has a big club that's one of the best in the country. So I was very lucky to be brought up in a club that's so, so it has such high caliber coaches and high caliber training in the U.S. So when I got my citizenship, when I was 17, I was finally able to try out for the national team. Before that, I, I obviously couldn't because I wasn't a U.S. citizen. And then after I made that first national team, I realized this is what I, this is what I want to do. Like I want to try to make it to the Olympics. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure that I got a good college education. And Stanford is one of the, one of the best schools for synchro. And so when I got in, it's like the choice was made for me. Like, obviously, I was going to go there for school and to train. And then over the next couple of years, I kind of did both Stanford synchro and national team. And then in 2012, I ended up taking the entire year off to train for the 2012 Olympics in London. And then after I had graduated, I started preparing for the 2016 Olympics. And during that time, I was always like very concerned about what was going to happen to me after I stopped swimming. I didn't want to just retire and not have anything to fall back on, which is why I went to University of San Francisco to do the sport management program, master, master's program, because I felt like sports is what I was most passionate about. And that's what I wanted to stay in, in terms of my career. So I kind of did that during the lead up to Rio in 2016. I actually ended up finishing the program like almost a full year late because of training and traveling and all, all that. Um, but then, yeah, I kind of knew I was going to retire after Rio. And then, then I became what I, you know, what I like to call like a real person <laughs> into real life, like not the athlete life. Um, so yeah, like now I work full time here at UC Berkeley at the Alumni Association. I still coach because I just feel still so connected to the sport. I'm an athlete rep on the USA Synchro Board of Directors. And recently in the last couple of months, I started this blog kind of just with the idea that I, I just wanted to share my story and my experience as an athlete. And I was just thinking about some of these things like, you know, transitioning out of sport or I don't know, just other topics that I feel like are not talked about enough in our community. And so that's kind of what it started as just me trying to like get my thoughts out and share my, share my story. And so far it's been awesome. Like, I don't know, it's been really fun for, for me to express myself in that way and also to connect with 
with other people who, who say like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm totally resonating with what you're saying. So I never like thought I would be a blogger. Like, I don't know. It just sounds so like, I mean, to me, it sounds so like hip and cool, like, ooh, I'm a blogger. <laughs> but for me, like I said, it's, it's mostly just about sharing my story and it's been awesome so far. I've been loving it. That's amazing. So I know that was like the best summary ever. Uh, But I, one, applaud you for putting your work out there and sharing your story because, you know, as you know, the, the world we live in today, it is set up for us to share our, our story, right? Mm -hmm. And have such an impact in you with your background, I know that it resonates. And athletes, like former athletes, we all have this, not like this, I would say like, it's not a hidden code, but like we just understand. The- mm-hmm. You just get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when a former athlete puts out a story, like at least me, I'm like, yes, yes, yep, that's right, me, mm-hmm, yep. And you can see yourself in their story, which is so, so neat. But I want to, uh, first, I had, you know, kind of listening to your story in gymnastics. And I think you did. Did you do gymnastics for a little bit or had some experience? So I did rhythmic gymnastics for a very short time period when I lived back in Russia. And it's funny because I, I've mentioned it in a couple interviews and then somehow it like blew up into this thing that like I was a competitive gymnast and then I switched sports. <laughs> yeah, that really wasn't it. Like I just did it for a little bit, and then I did swim team as well. And so okay. synchro was kind of the best combination of the two. Totally, but definitely not like I wouldn't call myself a former gymnast. Okay, so you 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 dabbled in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only reason I kind of bring it up is so like in gymnastics because as, as you know, I think that I was a former gymnast for fifteen years. So as a gymnast, there's there comes a point where you kind of decide whether you're going to go like the elite track and like try to pursue the, you know, elite and maybe even Olympic level, or, you know, you might decide to go more so the college route. So Mm -hmm. was there a certain like age that you can remember that you had that kind of come up? Yeah, I know at the end of high school, you know, when when I was thinking about college and my parents were very adamant, they're like, you know, you can keep swimming, you know, we'll support you in that, but you absolutely need to get an education and that still has to be number one. Like they would not have been okay with me not going to college and just training. And at the time, it was a little bit like what you were describing, like either you go to college or you do the national team route, but things were definitely changing. So when I entered Stanford, I came in with the idea that I was going to do both. And I didn't know how exactly I was going to do that, but it's like I had these two big goals and I was really adamant about doing, doing both at the same time. And there was another girl who had swum with me on my club. And so we were kind of both in the same boat. And there were a couple other girls on the national team who were at different schools. So I think that to, to train full time and then not have anything like a college degree to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's definitely hard because in synchro, you do have to train all together in the same place. So, you know, you have people moving from across the country to be where the team is mm. you know, like in gymnastics. You can technically go to college, 
train right. that team and then you know compete on the national team as well so in that sense synchro is a lot harder but and this is like i i tell people this all the time like you know somebody who is going into college but still wants to be on the national team track i always say like if you if you really want to do both I think it's totally possible. You just have to know that it's going to be really hard and yeah. there's going to be a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. But it's like, I, I did it and I still feel like, I mean, yeah, I definitely missed out on things, but like I was in a sorority. I still had a social life. Mm, and wow. again, like it, it was really challenging, but I think if you want it bad enough, you like, you'll figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible that you were <laughs> able to get to the college level. Because you're right, in gymnastics, like you can totally, it's kind of an individual sport. And with synchro, like you have a team, you got, you have routines to memorize, you have rhythm to, you know, match perfectly. Yeah. So go ahead and, you know, one, I mean, you going to Stanford, like what an amazing accomplishment and <laughs> just how was your because you kind of have both sides you were a collegiate athlete as well as you know an elite athlete on the Olympic route so tell us about college synchro at Stanford it's it's funny because in in the synchro world Collegiate synchro is like the level of, of it when compared to even club or national team is definitely lower, like a lower level, just because, you know, we're not an NC2A sport, but we still follow NC2A rules. So you can't practice more than 20 hours a week, which in my club, my senior year, I was practicing four, four and a half hours a day. And then suddenly you get to Stanford and it's, your practices are only three hours a day. Mm -hmm. and you know, things are a little bit easier. So I actually had like my freshman year, it was awesome. Cause I was like, this is, this is great. Like less practice time. It's not as, you know, not as intense. Um, but, but at the same time you have the added challenge of going to school and yep. you know, going to a school like Stanford, it is very, very challenging classes, you know, workload, things like that. So you, it takes a lot. You really have to know how to manage your time, even though your practice time is less mm -hmm. than what you were used to. And I think the other big challenge was because that level is lower than what it would be on a national team. Yeah. If you still have those aspirations, you still really have to keep up your skills to be able to be good enough for the national team. So that was definitely, definitely a challenge, but um, I don't know. I loved collegiate synchro. It's, I'm sure you, obviously you can relate being a student athlete is yeah. such a cool experience. I mean, being on a national team is one thing, but like the collegiate spirit and mm -hmm. representing your school, it's just, it's, it's not anything that you can get even being on the national team. It's just different. And I totally loved it. Yeah, I can, I can completely agree with that mm -hmm. uh, because yeah, club we were at least, and I imagine it's very similar, we were training very intensely, like so intense sometimes. Yeah. And then college, like when you made it to college, it was kind of like, oh, you can take a little like breather. Yeah. Now, now it's about maintaining your Exactly. Skills. Granted, while well, a, a gymnast, like maintaining her body, like injury wise, 
So maintain your body injury-wise and pain management. And it's not like you're necessarily looking for that next level. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're keeping at the best level that you're at. And then like you're getting to perform and be with that team. And I absolutely loved the college experience. I mean, with anything, there's so many challenges um, and life events that you do not foresee, especially as an 18 to 22 year old, right? Mm-hmm. But the team camaraderie and just, it's almost like a, another family in a way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And also like being in the environment where you are a student athlete on campus and you see other sports and it's like you have this connection with them because you're 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 all representing the same school. I think that was that was really awesome because when you're on the national team it is an amazing feeling getting to represent your country but you really don't see any other athletes any other sports while you're training. Mm-hmm. You do get to connect with them, you know, at multi-sport competitions like the Olympics or Pan American Games. But on the daily, it's not, you don't quite share that camaraderie like you do in college. Interesting. Yeah. And that is such like a perspective that, you know, you going through your journey are able to, you know, provide insight to like, uh, to like, I made it to the collegiate level, but, you know, being on a national team and then, you know, going to the Olympics, I think sometimes we can assume that it could be similar, like college team camaraderie could be similar to, um, you know, the, the national team, but you bring up just like great points and perspectives that like people are, you know, all over the country and, you know, it's definitely different than, you know, I guess at the college level, like you have a base. Yeah. 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 Well, and like if you're training on a, on a team, so I competed in the duet event at both Olympics mm-hmm. and when you're training on a team, like, yeah, of course you, you become very close with your teammates, but when you're training in a duet, like before both of my Olympics, the last couple months of both cycles, it was just me and my duet partner and my coach. So you're training in a very small group and that, that makes it hard. Like you're just, you're used to having all these people around you and then it, and then it's just three people. Yeah. Very different environment for sure. Totally. So let's kind of talk a little further about your Olympics journey and, you know, maybe provide an overview of London and then Rio and pick up or at least let us know some of the most challenging times during that. And then some of those memories that you like will cherish the rest of your life. Yeah, definitely. I think both of my, my, my two Olympic experiences were very different Mm. and both had, you know, great things about it and then not so great things for London that year of 2012 was by far the hardest year of my life. Mm. Like there were so many things that happened that were just roadblock after roadblock. And I wanted it so bad to go, you know, to go to the Olympics that I was willing to do anything and like go through anything to get there. So in that 2012 year alone, I was coming off of a concussion in late 2011, 
my my dad at the time was very sick and they you know my family was living in california we were training in indianapolis so i was away from my family and and that was really hard for me i in january of 2012 had back surgery so and then the olympics were in august of that year oh so God. trying to come off of that and you know get back into training and trying to make sure that you know nobody takes my spot because you know if you don't recover fast enough there's, there's somebody else willing to you know to 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 take your your spot in the duet um and at the same time that year there was there was an arbitration that we had to go through pretty much the 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 duet that was not selected to be the olympic duet mm -hmm. filed an arbitration against USA Synchro so while we're trying to prepare for the Olympic qualifier, we're having to find lawyers and, you know, defend our position, which is extremely stressful. Oh yeah. And so all of these things happening at the same time. And then of course, like three months before the Olympics, I go through this awful breakup. Yeah. And so it's, that was like the cherry yeah. on top of like the, the awful things that, that were already <laughs> happening. But like I said, it's like I I had this dream and I had this goal and I was so close to it that I think I just it was like tunnel vision. I was in pain from you know from recovering from surgery. I was on all this medication and all these other you know stressors going on in, in life. And now that I look back, it's like I probably would have been in much better like physical shape if all of those things didn't happen. Like maybe we would have performed better if if those things hadn't happened. But in the end, it's like, I always look back on that year and I'm like, okay, if I can do that, yeah. I can definitely get through anything. <laughs> and then yeah. obviously your first, your first Olympics is just such an amazing experience. Like you're just walking around like wide eyed at everything, you know, like team processing, when you get all your USA gear and getting to meet other athletes, just stepping out of the airplane in London and seeing all the Olympic rings and signage everywhere. And then experiencing the athlete village competing for the first time. Like everything is just, you've, you've never experienced it before. So it's just, everything is so cool. You know, mm -hmm. I can only imagine that just like almost like shock in a way. Oh, but absolutely. The most amazing shock where you're like this, you know, yeah. And it's, it's crazy because you're like, when you're in it, you're just, you're just trying to get your job done. And then when you finish and you go back home, I remember thinking like, did I actually do that? Like, was, was that just a dream? Like yeah. I actually went to the freaking Olympic games, like yeah. it didn't fully sink in until after, which is, I think it's, it's pretty interesting. So then when I was going into Rio for 2016, I remember like, I, again, I knew I was going to retire and that was, I think that was the hardest part for me yeah. leading up to Rio was that I was starting to lose a little bit of that fire. It's like, I knew that the, that the Olympics were soon and I, you know, only had a couple months to go, but it's like, when you know, you're, you're probably going to be done after this, it was hard to motivate myself to, you know, get up in the morning. My, my body was not recovering as fast as, as it used to. And so that definitely, like, I feel like my mental state wasn't as 
great, even though all these other stressors were not there anymore, like they were in 2012. But going into the Olympics, I remember thinking like, okay, this is going to be your last go around. You've already seen, you know, what the, what the Olympics are like. So make sure you remember like every, every little piece, like really be present while you're, while you're in that experience. Because like I said, in London, you're just kind of like going through the motions and there's a lot of things that I don't remember from that games. So in Rio, it's like every, every day I would wake up and be like, okay, you have to remember this. Like the last time you go into the cafeteria in the village, okay, like make sure you remember that because you're not going to, you're not going to be able to do this again. So I have all these like vivid memories now of Rio um, that I don't have of London. And I mean, the biggest difference of course is how we placed. So in London, we placed 11th and, you know, again, with all of the challenges that we went through, we were, we were, I was happy with how we did. And then in, but at the same time, you know, it's like 11th doesn't sound very good. So when we came back, you know, it's not like people were super excited about how we did. Mm-hmm. And then in Rio, we finished ninth and then eighth in one of the programs. Overall, we were ninth. And again, maybe to some people, it doesn't sound great, but to us, like moving up, I think we were 12th the year before in 2015. Mm -hmm. So moving up three spots in one year is pretty much unheard of in synchro. So that was literally the one competition where I actually felt like it's like you do all this work and at every competition, it would be like disappointment. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we didn't place as high as, as we wanted to. And this was the one competition and it was my last competition that I felt like, Oh my gosh, finally all of this work, paid off and did well. And when we came back to the States, everybody was so excited for us. You know, people were messaging us and saying, we're so proud of you. Like you just totally uplifted all of USC Synchro with your performance. So it was a much more positive experience. But when I look back to London, it's like, I wish that people were more excited about how we did just because of, of, everything that we had to go through, which is, I think, partially why I, I want to share my story and I want to, I want more people to know about it because, it, because I, I don't know, it's like you see, oh, she got to go to the Olympics, she got to go to the Olympics again, it seems so easy and, you know, just, you don't see all of the, the challenges that you actually have to go through to get to that point, so... Yeah. No, it, and it, you are so right because from the, I mean, the, the snow globe, right? Like us looking in or people looking in only see, you know, what is recorded, what the highlights are. They don't see the hours that you were training with your duet partner. They, yeah. don't, see, they don't see what was happening on, on the back end, like logistically and all the legalities like and I am so proud that you are sharing your story because we I think sometimes take it for granted or just at face value and there's so much more there's so much more to it clearly and so I I think it's just amazing that you're sharing like the challenges from it and not just like oh yeah it's hard to practice or you know hard to 
you know, swim and spread <laughs> water and dance and look beautiful all at the same time. But it is the emotional side, the, the things that hit you that you didn't see coming. That's part of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think now, nowadays, and this really wasn't the case back in 2012, but now it's like social media is such a huge thing, you know, on Instagram and, and all of that. So it's like, I see more athletes, current athletes who are sharing like the day to day and, and some of the struggles they face. But I think it's still hard when you're in it to really show the world, like the hard stuff that you have to go through or like, you know, the emotional ups and downs. I think it's a lot easier when you're retired and you can look back, you know, the position that I'm in, but it's still, even for me, it's like, I want to share those experiences, but sometimes it's still hard. Cause it's like, these are vulnerable parts of you that you are sharing with the world. And, you know, you don't know how people are going to react. Like, you know, me sharing the story of that year in 2012, like I know I, I wanted to do a whole blog post just about that year. And, you know, there's some topics in there that are, you know, sensitive and yeah. some people might get offended. So the the point I was trying to make is that I think people are showing more of like the true story as it's happening in real time, but it's still not, you right. still don't see the whole picture for sure. Amazing. Yeah. And it's so important for not only like current athletes to know, but former athletes too, or just, you know, fans even to know that it's just a, a piece of the puzzle and it's mm -hmm. just a, a glimpse into the life. So now, you know, you went into Rio with like this perspective and, and gratitude, like at the forefront, like to remember certain moments because you saw that this was going to be your final routine. So talk about, you know, and you do in your blog post, which of course I will, you know, post and include in the show notes here, but talk about that, like that next morning waking up and realizing that a chapter of your life has closed. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's, and like I said before, like I, I knew that it was going to be my last games, but at the same time, it doesn't really make it any easier. I think it's, it, it is easier when you're prepared for it. And I definitely was prepared for it versus like, you know, getting injured or not making a team. And then your career's cut short before you were ready. For me, I was definitely ready, but still, you know, when I got home and when you get home, you're still kind of on, on that high of, of the games, but then then it kind of, some people call it like the post-Olympic depression. Yes. It's like you were on this high, like uh -huh. it's such a high and then you come off of it and, you know, normally you would take some time off and go back to training and then you, you know, you get ready for the next thing. But in my case, it was like, okay, now the entire world is open to me and what next? And I think the hardest thing for me was there was no like, route to success. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what success looked like in, in sports. It's, there's very clear steps that you have to do to get to the Olympics or world championships or whatnot. And when you talk about your professional career, there's a bazillion ways to, to go about it. And for me, it was like, okay, well, what, what do I actually want to do now? And it was, it was hard. And 
it's, you know, to be honest, it's something I'm still struggling with. Mm -hmm. And I think also just, it's such a huge lifestyle change. Like you're used to training all day and that it, that is your life. And you know, you're in the water eight hours a day, you go home, every decision you make is to try to get you to be, to perform the best that you can. And then once you're out of it, it's like all of a sudden you have all these options of like, I don't have to go to the gym today if I don't want to, like nobody's making you do anything. Like you are in charge of your, of your life. And it sounds great, but it's all, it just, it kind of makes it harder because you don't have somebody telling you what you should be doing. You have to make those decisions on your own. And it's, it's funny because I remember when I first started working here at Cal, I was, I got sick one day and I was thinking in my head, you know, I, I want to take a sick day, but it felt so weird to me to like call in and say I'm sick because in sync girl, like you could never do that. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're sick. Like I remember I was, I had to swim right after I had food poisoning and I hadn't eaten for two days and it's like, no one cares. You still need to go to the pool and you still need to do your job. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, I could take a sick day if I, if I wasn't feeling great and I could take care of myself if I felt like I needed to. So that was kind of a big, a big realization, but yeah, it's like, I thought by now, you know, I'm two, two and a half years out. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I would be, I like, I would fully know, who I am outside of being an athlete, but it's still a process. And I kind of talk about this a little bit in, in my blog, but it's such a big part of you for so long. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's still a part of you, but it's like, who are you in addition to being an Olympic athlete? Right. And you kind of have, it kind of have to find yourself and what is your purpose in life? And it's like part of your identity is it's still, again, it's still part of you, but it's not all of you. And I mentioned in my blog, you know, it's like when somebody asks you, like, what do you, what do you do? You, you know, I used to say I'm an athlete, I'm training full time for the Olympics. And now it's like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to introduce myself anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, everything that you just said is I can, I know that so many former athletes can relate to like that loss of structure. Like I had that moment walking into a gym after I was done and be like, okay, so should I lift some weights? Like, (laughs) you know, you just have those moments. You're like, no one has put together a success plan for me. Or Mm -hmm. like, if I take this step or this job, then I'm going to go here, you know? So it's, there is no, no form of certainty anymore, which is such a struggle along with, you know, the identity piece and how you start to evolve with the identity of Mm -hmm. being a former athlete. And then, you know, exactly right. How, how do you introduce yourself? Right. And I think it's so important that you hit on that it does take time that you're two and a half years out. I know I still miss my sport after three or four years out. And just for those going through it to know that it's okay. Like it's completely a part of the process and that, you know, there's no like, you know, quick fix for it. 
because you only spent, you know, decades, you know, with this sport. <laughs> so it's completely normal to go through those feelings. And that's, you know, at least on this side, that's why like her sports story exists is because there is a need for athletes to know that other athletes went through this. And so yeah, thank you. Thank absolutely. you so much for sharing that because everything you hit on, I'm like over here. Yep. Yep. I feel guilty when I call into work too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the hardest part about the whole process is I felt like there were no, like there, there were no resources to, to help you try to figure out or I don't know, just, just a transition. Like yeah. I know the, like the USOC, the U S Olympic committee has career resources and that's great. But for me, it was like the hardest part was more like the emotional, mental identity piece of it. And not only is there no like rule book or like things that you should be doing to, to try to find yourself, but there was, there's not, there's not like a community of people to, to talk to or to ask or, you know, and for me, I was still in the synchro community because I wasn't ready to leave. So that was great. But it's like all these athletes who went through the same thing. There was no space for us to, to be able to connect and to share our stories. I, a couple of weeks ago, I went to an event in San Francisco and it was, it was a panel of Olympians and the topic was transitioning out of sport and, you know, listening to these other athletes who it's like I'm resonating with everything they're saying. And I'm like, gosh, this would have been awesome to have like yeah. after I, I finished because so many of these things I could have learned from, from people who came before me and that probably would have helped make my transition easier. But because I didn't have that, it's like you, you, you have to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you'll be fine doing it on your own, but it would have been a lot better if there were other people to help you with, with, with that transition and to be able to share what you're going through with. Cause even like, even like, like, you know, we talk about like identity as a whole or like lifestyle as a whole, but when you break it down, there's all these other components to it, like fitness. Okay. So I was used to swimming eight hours a day and looking a certain way. Now you're not doing that and you're working out maybe one hour a day, but not every day. So it's like, okay, well, what, what do I, how do I, how do I work out? What do I eat to look the way that I want to look? And again, there's no there's no like guidelines for, for how you need to do that. You have to figure that out on your own and coming from a sport like synchro. And I'm sure it's similar with gymnastics where Mm -hmm. everything is so based on how you look like that was a huge part for like a huge challenge for me. It was to, to, to figure out that piece of it without letting it like consume my emotional state. So And you can, I mean, you can look at every component of your life. And again, it's like, you, you just have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can totally relate to that, you know, being a former gymnast and uh, starting to look at things you're eating outside of your sport, right? When you're not training for those four to eight hours a day, (laughs) but and it's, it's a total like mind, body, soul transition. And that's the other piece of it. It's not just like, oh, I'm not an athlete anymore. It's like, oh, I need to maybe 
alter, well, definitely you're going to alter the way you work out, work out to stay healthy, not work out, you know, for that goal or that mark that you're going for, but more so because it's a part of a healthy lifestyle, which is a huge transition in itself. And then the nutrition aspect. And, you know, I am so, so grateful and thankful that, you know, through her sports story, I started to connect with former athletes who are doing that work for athletes transitioning out of their sport. Oh, that's amazing. I know. So it's like, I swear it's this, uh, this like just a whole movement of former athletes starting to, uh, you know, gear their work or their passion towards all these types of facets that impact us when we transition out, whether that's identity coach, uh, nutrition coach, coach for former athletes. And I am so, so thankful and excited because I know you and me would have loved that, you know, (laughs) after our sport or after we transitioned away. So I think, you know, what everything that you mentioned is, again, just spot on. And it's it's what other athletes who are going through this need to hear. They're like, oh, me too. I felt that too. Okay. You know, I'm not yeah. the only one or I'm not the only yeah. one struggling. And to be completely vulnerable and real with that, because by doing so, you know, you're showing up for a, another athlete or former athlete out there. So amazing. Also, yeah. And yeah, one more thing I want to, I want to, yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, one more thing I, I wanted to mention about like, about the, that, this whole process. And this is something I, I haven't really shared on, you know, on social media or on my blog, because a part of me is a little like embarrassed of it, but I, I do want to mention it because it, hopefully maybe somebody will, will resonate with this, but mm-hmm. as an Olympian, you know, when you're training, it's like, you have all these people who you know, care about how you feel and how you're swimming and what you're doing outside of synchro, you know, it's like your coaches, your doctors, like all of, and just the whole, like for me, the whole synchro community is watching you and then you retire and somebody takes your spot in that duet and all of a sudden Mm. somebody else is important and you're not, not, not that like, oh, like people forget about you, but for me, it was hard to see somebody else swimming with, you know, Anita, who is my duet partner in Rio and she's still swimming and, you know, have, she has another duet partner and they're the ones who people are excited about and, you know, watching them train for, you know, the world championships and other competitions. And like, I feel like now is when I am, I have become okay with that idea that Mm -hmm. there's, there's another team and another duet that people support and people are excited about. And it's still weird to me to know that I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Even thinking about watching the Olympics next year, like that's going to be the first Olympics that I haven't been in, in mm-hmm. like eight years. Eight years. <laughs> so, and, and it's like a part of me was embarrassed that like, I wasn't that like, I, I didn't feel important anymore. You know, it's like, oh, I, I feel like I'm being selfish in, in saying that. But that was really, I don't know. It's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to move out of that spotlight. And maybe that sounds like, again, like, you know, narcissistic, but it's, it's kind of the reality. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? I can totally imagine. And you, it's funny because you have people in your life that were there because of the bridge that your sport served, right? Mm-hmm. So even, and I feel like that even happens with teammates too. Like you were such good teammates when you were in it. But then once you're out, like that connection is not as strong because that bridge of sport is no longer active, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of people can relate to that. And just even from like a an in, internal kind of view, like your self-esteem and self-worth and people worked with you, praised, you know, help you navigate this journey because you were an athlete in the sport Mm -hmm. and that is a very real component of it and I again like thank you for sharing like thank you for putting that out there because it needs to be said and I think there's no no shame in that at all Mm -hmm. and it's a very very understandable and real part of that transition yeah so Yeah. yeah thank you for adding that Uh, So now, you know, you mentioned a little bit about transitioning and now you work at Cal. What does your day-to-day look like now? So I work at the Alumni Association here at Cal and I work in business development. So I work with all of our corporate partners. Honestly, like my my day-to-day kind of looks like just a normal person. You know, I wake up, I, I go to work, I come home, I go to the gym. And then by the time I come home, it's like, you know, I just get ready for the next day. Mm -hmm. And then a couple times a week after work, instead of going to the gym, I go to the pool and coach. Um, So yeah, it's like, I, I, I I kind of feel just like any other person, Mm -hmm. which also is weird because it's like when you're training, you don't feel like you're like everybody else, but now all of a sudden you're just one of you know, millions of people who waver again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think staying for me, staying in the synchro community has really helped because I, I'm still around, you know, these girls who I remember being that age and, and training and going through some of these, you know, some of the issues that, that, that they're dealing with. So it helps me to still be around that and to be able to, to coach them and to hopefully help them in some way. So I, I find that really, really rewarding still. And I think it's, you know, uh, so important to talk about that. Like you get a job and then you do the eight hours and then you go work out, you know, <laughs> and I think and that's just like a very real part of it. That it sounds exactly how my day sounds. But I think what's so cool too is, you know, athletes when they transition out of the sport, like some can continue to either coach or be involved and that helps them kind of heal through the journey mm-hmm. where others are like, nope, got to cut ties, you know? So yeah, it's yeah. so cool that you still stay connected with the community. And then now you are impacting the next generation. And I know, like, I can just see it now. They just look up to you <laughs> and adore you. And it's so cool that, you know, they get to have you as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really love it. And I can, yeah, I can see that they're, you know, they, they get excited when I'm, you know, talking about my, my Olympic experiences. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's really awesome. I think I was just, I was just thinking about this 
Mm-hmm. I feel like so many athletes like a like a Michael Phelps or like a Nastia Lugin who yeah. you know win gold medal gold medals and then they retire and then they're still kind of like doing like sponsorship deals or mm-hmm. you know they go and speak and it's like they they're they're still I'm not sure how to phrase this but like they they don't go into that like real life Right. Exactly. You know, like, like everybody else. And I think a lot of people think that, okay, well, if you're an Olympian, that's what your future looks like. You know, you Mm -hmm. endorsements and you do this and that, and it looks, and it seems like this like glitz and glamour, like celebrity life. But the reality is, unless you are one of those, you know, well-known athletes, like you, you do go into you like, you become a normal person with a nine to five. Yeah. I guess you don't, you don't have to, you can start your own business or, you know, mm-hmm. do, do whatever you want. But in a lot of ways, it's like your life does get kind of like boring in a way, <laughs> just in terms yeah. of like your schedule. And, you know, you, you have to save up your vacation days to go travel. Whereas yep. before, like that was a part of your life. You would mm-hmm. travel for competition. So I just, I don't know. I think of that sometimes. And No, it's, it's totally true. Uh, because I, of course, like being a former gymnast, follow Nastia mm-hmm. on like Instagram. And yeah, like you sit there and you're like, or even like Sean Johnson too. They yeah. are, they are on like Olympics 2.0 without mm-hmm. the action of the sport, right? Yeah. Where that yeah. They have now that platform and with that platform have the ability to tap into all of these different opportunities so mm-hmm. no and I again like you're so right and when people are like oh they go to Olympics and then they get to do things like this well some some of them yeah so yeah. it's it's just like it's so important important for us to have that perspective and gaining yeah. that perspective through someone like yourself to say like, yeah, like you do go to the Olympics and you have this experience, but they're for a lot of the athletes, they have to go back and transition into life. And I can mm-hmm. totally relate to like when you're working that nine to five and you're saving vacation days and you're like, I used to travel the world, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. doing a sport. And so it's a really interesting transition and finding like what lights your soul up next and what yeah. you can incorporate those little parts that do light your soul up. How do you incorporate those every day, you know, so that you feel like you're, you're still chasing a dream, you know, so which kind of leads me to dreams. What kind of dreams are you looking at or do you have for the future in like any, any regard, um, whether that is, you know, your job or just, you know, something that you really want to do? What, to, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, in terms of like, you know, personal life, I definitely want to get married, have a family, you know, mm-hmm. it's not happening right this second, but, you know, <laughs> hopefully in the future. Yeah. Um, in terms of my professional career, uh, like I said earlier, my my passion really is in sports and specifically mm-hmm. around the Olympic movement. So I would love to work in some capacity close to the Olympics. I think right now what I'm 
leaning towards is working for an Olympic sponsor or Intel and to build those activation programs for an Olympics and just mm. because I, you know, I work in corporate partnerships now, but yeah. I'd love to do it more global scale mm -hmm. and to really like how these brands are tapping into the Olympic movement and how they're using that space to promote themselves or their product or, or whatnot. Like that, that part's really interesting to me. But at the same time, it's like I'm dipping my toe into this whole sharing my my story and, you know, like opening up the conversation about some of these topics that I don't think are talked about enough. Mm -hmm. So I want to continue doing that. And I don't know, like, what the future holds in that space, mm -hmm. but I want to keep doing it. And it's like right now I'm just focusing on just producing some content that hopefully will be, you know, somebody will enjoy it and, or, you know, maybe learn something from it, but I don't know how that's going to connect with my professional goals and maybe it won't. And that's just what I'll do, you know, on the side for fun, like I do now, or who knows, maybe it'll turn into something full time at some point. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess it's so, kind of similar to you, yeah. you know, you have this, you still have a full-time job, but you have this passion project that you're doing on the side and, you know, hopefully someday that'll maybe become your, your main focus. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of like how I feel now. Um, yeah. And I think that is like, we are in very similar spots in that regard where we are, you know, doing the the nine to five, but there's something else that's kind of like lighting up our soul that revolves yeah. around sport. So yeah. you know, I think that is incredible. And to work, you know, in a sponsorship type of capacity at the Olympic level would also just be ideal. I could see that totally happening for you. No problem. You know, <laughs> once you kind of find those pieces that will get you there or, you know, getting there and seeing if that's, you know, something that you do for one uh, series or one cycle of the Olympics or, you know, even more moving forward. So, yeah, I think for me, the Olympic movement and the Olympic games are just such a special place. And, you know, obviously I got to experience it firsthand, but just in general, it's such a cool Thing to be able to bring together all these different nations, all these different sports at one time. Like I got to work at the FIFA World Cup this past summer in Russia. Wow. And that's obviously, you know, global event, one mm -hmm. sport, everybody's, you know, super passionate about it. And, you know, the, the energy is so cool, but it's still like, to me, it's not the Olympics. Like there's just something special about the Olympics that even something like the World Cup, which is giant, like this huge event, it's still not the same. Like I, yeah, and it's like, I you can't it. put your, oh no, it's, your it's, honor, but, this, like whole wonder about it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what's so cool to me. Yeah. And that's why I'm so drawn to it. And it's like, you just want to be a part of it in any way, shape or form. Like, I don't really care for working for a team, like, you know, mm -hmm. even the Warriors who yeah. you know, maybe win a championship, like it's still not, it's just not the same. <laughs> 
Totally. And I can even see that just being next level for you with your past experiences. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I like during these conversations that I have with just incredible women, I just like envision your, your future. <laughs> I'm like, hey, it's going to be so amazing. So, you know, before I kind of wrap up with my final question here, where can people follow you and find you? I'm most active probably on Instagram and, and my handle is mkoroleva. So M-K-O-R-O-L-E-V-A. And fun fact, my last name means queen in Russia. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing on Twitter, but I'm not, I'm not quite as active on it. Um, LinkedIn and Facebook, it's just, just my name. Um, but I love Instagram. I've been getting more into Instagram stories and like, you know, talking on video, which has been really fun actually, but I'd love to connect with, with, with people and, you know, have conversations and hear other people's stories. So definitely connect with me. <laughs> awesome. Well, Thank you so much. And coolest last name ever. <laughs> so cool. Okay. So my last question here is you are in a room with maybe 50 to hundred athletes who feel as if they have completely lost their purpose in life after sport. And they are unsure of what direction to go next. What advice would you give them? I think when you're when you're thinking about what's next in in your life and maybe if you're unsure professionally what what you want to go into I know for me it really helped and I kind of already knew the space that I that I was interested in mm -hmm. it really helped to just sit down with a notebook and literally just start listing things that I enjoy that I enjoy doing or thinking about or like you know, participating in, and that doesn't have to be professional, like, uh, you know, the career space, but literally everything. Like I like hiking. I like, you know, I don't know, creating yeah. content on social media. And so once you have this list of, of things that you know, that you enjoy doing, it kind of starts to piece together your life. So it's like, you know that you enjoy working out and so okay like that's that's a part of my identity that i that i want to keep and you know expand on or whatnot and then you start thinking about in terms of your professional career okay i enjoy relationship building and you know also making a list of what you don't like and what you don't want to do like i maybe you know don't want to sit in front of a computer every day and not interact with anyone. And then again, you, you start to piece together of what kind of job you might want. And maybe you don't know exactly what industry it's in, but you start to kind of paint a picture of your ideal life and your ideal job. And once you have that, I would just recommend honestly, like going on LinkedIn and just finding some people who do something that sounds interesting to you and then reaching out to them and just having a conversation. For me, that was really helpful when I was going through the sport management program at USF because it's like certain things sounded awesome to me, but once I talked to that person, it, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was. So it was like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to do that. Like cross that off the list. And I think that the, the important thing is really finding that next 
passion and that next challenge that you that you are going to pursue because after sport again like i said like the world is just so open to you you can do anything you want so i think it's so important to really kind of like learn about yourself like what do you like what do you not like what are you passionate about and that just takes a lot of self-reflection it's like you're almost having to get to know yourself all over again because for so long you just were in this one lane but in reality there's so much more to all of us than just the athlete side of it and when you retired that's really what you that's like the next step i feel like is really discovering who you are and i think it's important to go through because it's like you're you're gonna have that you're gonna have to go through it eventually and it's like the sooner you you go through it the sooner you really discover who you are the easier it'll be for you to move forward versus like just just getting any any job just to be busy and right. then later on realizing oh gosh i you know i really don't don't like this and then you're going you're still going to go through the process of discovering what you want to do and what you're passionate about but i think the sooner you do it the better and just when you when you're still competing i think it's important to to try to you know see what you're drawn towards. Like for me, I was, you know, drawn to, to the sports industry in, in, a, in a professional sense and kind of like try to prepare yourself for when you are going to retire, just so at least you have a, a direction. So you're not like totally lost when you, when right. you do retire. I think yeah. that was always really important to me. It was like constantly, not constantly, but like just preparing for, for what's to come. Right. And uh, like all of that is such great advice. And I hope that, you know, if they're former athletes listening, that they just kind of like take that piece by piece because everything that you said will help in the journey of what's coming next. So thank you so, so much for being a guest on the Her Sports Story podcast. I know the tribe is so excited to have you, one, a part of the tribe now officially and then you know all of our listeners are going to take so much from this conversation so thanks so much oh thank you for having me I like I, I love this conversation it's so fun to to talk about I don't know like all of all of these things that I I want more people to 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 talk about it you know and I think it's it's awesome what you're doing and kind of opening up the conversation about some of these things and sharing people's stories. And I'm, I'm so excited about what you're doing and where it's going to go and, you know, creating this community of female athletes. And I'm, I'm so like honored to be, to be a part of it. So thank you. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. That made my day right there. Oh, it's uh, true. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate it, Maria. Mm -hmm.